Oh, boy. I want a one-way ticket to Stud Planet. I don't think I do. Welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. On this show, we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. And this week, we are back to talk chapter 36, just as soon as we finished our shift at the plastics factory. I mean, that's strange, right? Spice (laughs) plastics. Yeah, spice plastics. (laughs) Those Working uh, our shifts at the still suit factory. Yeah, the Fremen are an industrious people very much so yeah i mean they've like they've got their stuff down they know what they're doing uh paul and jessica do not because he gets yelled (laughs) at some more of this this time around there's more of him (laughs) just doing everything wrong Mm. come on dude well we'll get to that Uh, Mm -hmm. how are you megan i am good i (laughs) am tired (laughs) but that's perpetual (laughs) Yeah, it's late in the week, and I'm ready. I'm really like 2020 is already like it already feels like it's been going on for months and oh, not no. days. No. <laughs> and my birthday is next week, so uh, even worse. I'm gonna see if there's one of those really specific shirts that says like "Look out for a woman born in January who has a oh, yeah. podcast and just eats cheese." Like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a great um, Instagram account that's like Facebook shirts. And it's oh, all I think I've seen like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's like, like I'm, there's no one, kind of woman like a Capricorn who reads <laughs> science fiction. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> they're so, they're always so weird. I was looking some up actually earlier because uh, a friend of ours had posted one online Mm -hmm. and i saw it and i was like i have to look for ones of women born in may uh and there were just so many with weird bands where it was just (laughs) like never underestimate a woman born in may who listens to queen and it's like well well, okay it's never bands that you want to admit to listening to though it's always like puddle of mud or (laughs) yeah there was one that was slipknot but there was one that was not there was one that was Sting, and I was like, honestly, if it wasn't from the sketchiest website possible, I'd probably buy that shirt. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. I was born in May, and I listened to Sting. Woohoo. That's, that's right. <laughs> now you know two very specific facts about me. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit before we get started, and we are going to talk about Dune, I promise. But it's kind of a short chapter, so, you know, we'll, we'll get to it. Just hold on to your butts. Um this week, or actually the last two weeks, has been kind of crazy, and I just wanted to talk to it about it for a minute because it sort of affects, like, the entire publishing industry and the entire, um, you know, this is, this is a broader story than what, you know, people think it is, and that's the, what's been happening with the Romance Writers of America, which I am uh, still a member of. I don't think I will be renewing when my membership comes due in July, but yeah. So if you don't know, a few weeks ago, an author, oh, it was actually back rewind last summer, 
this past summer, Courtney Milan, who is a very popular, famous author, and she's very like outspoken for marginalized authors in the organization. She's done a lot of work to try to make it a more equitable organization. She mm-hmm. was talking about a book that had some sort of uh, racist tropes and descriptions of Asian women. And she's a, she's a half Chinese woman herself. So she took umbrage with this as, you know, that's the thing. I, I feel like if you write something and you put it out there, you have to, you know, be prepared for people to call you on it. And she did. She called out this book and the author for these racist stereotypes. And the author and her editor um, filed ethics complaints against her. And the organization ended up censuring her. And about a million things have happened since that. But, you know, for context, Courtney Milan got a service award last at the last RWA for trying to make it like a more welcoming place for authors of color for lgbt romance you name it like it's it was very suspicious very suspect and then it kind of snowballed because now people are talking like they're (laughs) the gloves are off and everyone is sort of sharing all of their stuff online and you can see like instances of like black black speakers being paid less than white speakers Mm -hmm. at workshops and things like that and you know like microaggressions at all of the conventions and um there's just a lot of stuff so i just wanted to talk about it for a minute and see what your take on it was and like today it was kind of a big deal because after two weeks and like a petition and like six letters (laughs) from all of these like past presidents and past board members and members and readers and publishers and editors like they have been calling for the president to step down um and the um like the what is the executive officer to step down and they finally did today um Yeah. <laughs> and I just feel like this, like this huge sort of like, I, I don't want to say like I feel a weight off because obviously like the problems are still very much there. There's still um, a bunch of really ugly people showing some really nasty behavior about this. You know, people that don't like the status quo challenge. And I know like a lot of you, you, you tuned in here for Dune and you want to hear about Dune, but like romance publishing leads the industry like it sells more than any other genre it kept Mm -hmm. publishing alive when everyone thought it was dead so i mean it's a very big deal and you know i know like science fiction kind of went through something similar a few years ago with like the sick puppies and vox day and all of that shit but like they they did the right thing and like got rid of the people that were making problems whereas rwa kind of did the opposite and supported the people that were making problems so i don't know what do you think megan what do you think about it the whole thing has been just such from when when i started seeing it on on twitter just as a reader who follows a lot of, of romance authors and other readers on Twitter. I just, if nothing else, the, the audacity to, to not take a look at yourself and what you've written 
And to try, yeah. I mean, the thing that got me was that, you know, th- they're trying to tell an Asian American woman, like, oh, no, this is an appropriate representation of your own culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, the, it, and this is something else, like, there is... I was talking about this with someone else earlier today. There is, you know, what I write is very niche within, even within romance, it's incredibly niche. So, like, it's a small community that's part of a larger pool. Mm-hmm. And one of, someone I, I guess I would have called her a peer up until now, <laughs> like, um, you know, was going, kind of trolling Dr. Debbie Reese, who is <laughs> an expert on she's like one of the most respected scholars of indigenous culture in the country like probably in the world and this person that i know and have appeared in books with is like sending her screenshots because she was like you know this author the same author wrote this other book about native american women and it had like a lot of the same like really inaccurate Mm -hmm. kind of Uh, yeah i saw that yeah and this person was like this person I know was like trolling this doctor who was calling it out and being like, no, actually, you're wrong. <laughs> Here's something oh. I read from a super racist anthropology study <laughs> from like 18 something. So that's yeah. the first thing first. If you're going to throw like, quote unquote, facts at someone who is already an expert who has made their life's work of this or lives this reality, like Dr. W. Reese is Native American. So it's like. Please don't tell her that she is wrong about her own culture. Yeah. It's like it, it's beyond. And that I feel like I wanted to bring it up here because we are reading Dune. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is some overlap here. I think there's I some agree. overlap. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, Frank, he did borrow heavily from like Muslim culture and. Um, Middle Eastern culture and it's kind of the kind of thing that I ha- I do occasionally see people arguing about this online and it's just like you know I'm not comfortable with telling someone of Middle Eastern descent or a Middle Eastern person like that this is not does not contain like racist and inaccurate you know stereotypes in mm-hmm. it because <laughs> if they say it does then what do I know? Exactly. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so I don't know. And the, and that's why I wanted to kind of bring, like, shine a light on this issue because it does, like, it bleeds into other things and it's really important. And I think, like, we really need to get better about listening instead of talking because it's really the immediate reaction I've seen so many times is just on the defense immediately. Like, yeah. how dare you suggest I did or said something racist. Like, I'm sorry, but we probably all do and say things that are racist. Probably not and, intentionally, but it's and just especially, out of ignorance. I am by no means an expert, but as someone who probably the last time that I regularly read romance was in sort of the 90s. Yeah. And a lot of that was either written in the 90s or older, because a lot of it was like, you know, my mom's that she had around the house and things like that. Sure. And so I can also see where, you know, if you wrote a book in 1988... And, you know, certain things were very popular mm-hmm. in the genre at the time. Thinking yeah. like, oh, well, I'm not saying that, you know, Native people are, are bad, but everyone kind of writes these, you know, cowboy and Native maiden books. And mm-hmm. 
I'm just, you know, and then, you you know, I'll just do what everyone else is doing. And I, I won't let anyone, I won't let the hero be racist, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I'll make it really clear that the racist people are bad. But, and, and yeah, and you look you back not- at that. You could set out to write this with the absolute best of intentions. But, oh, yeah. I mean, really, unless you've lived this life, unless you've lived this experience. Because here's the fact that, like, one of the facts that Courtney brought up when all of this happened was, like, you know, they said, Catherine Lynn Davis, the author whose book she called out, said, you know, we just wanted an apology. Well, here's the thing, is that stereotypes like this encourages, like, you know, it encourages mistreatment and violence against women of Asian descent. Like, there's a high risk of, you know, they're at risk for Mm -hmm. domestic violence, for, you know, being attacked uh, out in public. Like, there's a higher, it's just true. Like, women of color are at a higher risk for violence. And this kind of, you know, these kind of like, well, I, you know, obviously I didn't mean to be racist, that kind of stuff. Like, it's not good enough to just say I didn't mean to. You also have to like actually apologize and, and just really think about what you've done and say, you know, I didn't mean to do this, but I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know, and an important thing I think is that you have to be willing or you should be willing, but I mean, I would say you have to be willing Mm -hmm. to, yeah, to step back and go, well, shit. Yeah. Like that, that I mean, was bad. I got a review for one of my books and it was just earlier in December and I got called out. Like I got called out because it's like, oh, she tried to make these characters. So like, you know, we're, we're not racist. We love, we love people of all colors, but there are no people of color in the book. <laughs> So, mm. and it's just like, yeah, that's I, my first reaction was to be like, well, but then I was like, you know what? This is, they're right. Mm-hmm. That's not my experience. That's why I didn't write it. But, and I feel like too, sometimes there is like this fear of like, well, I don't want to do it wrong. So I'm just not going to do it at all. Exactly. Which does not reflect reality mm-hmm. at all. So it's just like, it. you really have to ask yourself a lot of hard questions and you really have to take the time and do the work and don't expect people of color to educate you like they don't need they don't need to take that burden on you need to learn how to educate yourself Mm -hmm. or at the very least you know don't wait until you know yeah don't wait till you're after you're called out don't say well you know this book is getting published and now all of a sudden people are telling me that this was you know the wrong words to use or Mm -hmm. people don't actually say this it's like you know no, you can't just don't take your book to a reading group and demand that every other person of color, every person of color, they like read it. Like I yeah. need, yeah. but also if someone does and they say, oh, hey, you know, mm-hmm. maybe back off on this. Don't uh, overreact. Just think yeah. about it. Take it home, sleep on it for a night. Think about it. Like you can't just, you can't rely on editors to pick everything up because like if a white person is editing your book it might be something that they just don't even you know mm-hmm. think about and that's the thing is like i i don't know like i don't have i there are I no think... easy answers but that's yeah. not supposed to be easy exactly so i wanted to talk about it because i know like there is some overlap between what's happening here and what's happened like in sci-fi and like i've seen like horror authors come come forward and like in support 
um, mm-hmm. Courtney Milan and, and all that's happening here and talk about like romance as an industry. So it's just, you know, it's something that I wanted to mention going into this and with the movie coming out this year, like really <laughs> like I am white, <laughs> I am cisgendered, I am, you know, and I really like, just don't assume things coming mm-hmm. into this that you know everything about this because you read it in this book. This book was written by a white man that also, but it borrows from a lot of other cultures. So mm-hmm. just try to be like receptive and kind is what I'm saying. And like maybe admit that we don't know everything. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that, yeah. And I, I think that's something that is going to happen. The movie mm-hmm. are going to read the book and there are going to be people who are going to say this book kind of, you know, t- it's a little pinging at me a little parts. Yeah. Of it. And you know what? That's okay. Like they're allowed to say, well, this is a problem. And you can't say that that means that they don't understand it or. Yeah that they're stupid or you know don't gatekeep people Mm -hmm. Uh, as as a person you know like in the horror community that happens so much oh it can be so gatekeepy and you just want to be like come on Mm -hmm. what are you talking about yeah and here's the thing like it it costs you it costs you nothing to say nothing Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, and that's coming from a podcaster, so. (laughs) But honestly, like, when someone says something like, I have a problem with this part of this book, like, does do you have to defend it? Like, are you going to change that person's mind about that? Like, think about it. If it really doesn't, is it worth it? No. (laughs) Just don't say anything. And maybe think about what they're saying. Mm -hmm. That's my two cents. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Also, it's just been too much. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been nuts. And I haven't even oh. seen most of it. I've only seen a tiny fraction. Oh, I just, like, went went back and looked at the timeline today. And it's, I mean, it's up to date. But it's a lot. <laughs> so if you want to uh, read more about this and what's happening, I will post a link to a very, it's like a, a complete timeline with links, and it's a fascinating read. I highly encourage everyone to read it. Um, anyway, so that's been my little corner, <laughs> <laughs> and now we can talk about this episode. <laughs> this and now chapter. back to Dune. And now back to Dune. And uh, as if you haven't heard me talk enough in the last ten minutes, I'm gonna read this epigraph from the Princess Irulan. All right. <clears throat> this comes from, and this is a little different this week, Stilgar's preface to Wadib the Man. So did he write this then, Megan? I guess he wrote this. Okay, interesting. <laughs> Here goes. Wadib tells us in A Time of Reflection that his first collisions with Arakeen necessities were the true beginnings of his education. He learned then how to pull the sand for its weather, learned the language of the wind's needles stinging his skin, learned how the nose can buzz with sand itch and how to gather his body's precious moisture around him to guard it and preserve it. His eyes assumed the blue of the Ibad and he learned the Chaboska way. I don't know if I said that right, but... It's fine. Okay. So, okay, great. You know, like, 
he learned because I, I think that's especially appropriate considering that not then two paragraphs down Shawnee's going what did I tell you about your hood yeah yeah oh. he's like wiping sweat off his brown she's like are you an idiot <laughs> <laughs> you're wasting moisture and someone behind them goes the desert hears you <laughs> yeah shut up you kids well they're listening to um like bird calls which I guess are signals mm-hmm yeah I'd be so bad at that. I'd be like, was that a bird? Oh, my God. The worst. Was that a bird? Like, <laughs> like we've already established we would not do no. well mm. <laughs> on Arrakis. So. But, yeah, um, they've finally made it back to the siege. Yeah. So we're going to get to see how they live uh, mm-hmm. in the siege. And it's pretty fancy. I enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole, like, cave system, which I mm-hmm. find fascinating. I love that shit. I would love to see it. I can't wait to see how they're going to do it in the movie. Everyone's got cool, like, wall hangings and big mm-hmm. pillows, and I'm yeah. here for it. Although... I would have trouble with communal living on this level. Yeah. And I do think that that's... I'm not sure how much they get into that as a learned thing, because it's such, I think it's so interesting because it's also something that comes into play um, in, as I've, I think I've talked about this before, the Earth's Children series, like the one, mm. the clan of the cave bear and all that, where when the main character, like, you know, is learning to live in, like, that's how they live in these cave systems, which is everyone has their own areas that are kind of pretend marked. Mm. You know, there's actual, there's like, you'd have basically like, rocks lining what's your space but there's nothing actually blocking you except for societal like moors Mm. so it's like you know if if like if you and brian live next to me i would just like pretend i didn't see you sure you know because it's like that's just how it is like i mean i pretend i don't see my neighbors all the time so (laughs) but they don't live in your house no that's true so like this but i've had roommates that i've been in that situation granted (laughs) but just the concept like because when paul later is walking through to what'll be his quarters you know they don't have doors there's just kind of you know open cave like rooms and whatnot and i think it's mentioned that you know children are looking at them but adults aren't because that's just you know it's a learned thing yeah but it is it's it's such a concept because like at some point in this sort of living you're just it's one thing to be like oh i know my neighbor is next door but if it's like oh a person five feet from me is completely just taking a shit and i have to pretend like i'm not i don't want to hear that or see that i don't see them having an argument or just i don't know picking their nose (laughs) Like, I, it's like, oh, what's going on over there? Oh, never mind. Like, I'll just glance nearby. I'll just glance next door, but I'm like, oh, hello. (laughs) Like, good morning to everyone. (laughs) Yeah, one thing I did, like, I did think was kind of amusing was, like, the description of all the smells. And it was, like, it kind of smells like shit and spice. (laughs) And uh, Paul's tried real hard to be like polite about it, and someone next to him is just like, "Oh, it smells like home." And Paul's like, "Oh God, he likes this." Okay. (laughs) I mean, that just shows like our. (laughs) I don't know. I I'm very sensitive to smells, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So am I. And it would be like, 
And it's a different, it's a totally different situation than Paul or Jessica is used to. Mm-hmm. You know, they're used, I mean, like, literally before, Paul was, like, in a basement that they put yeah. him in for safety. Like, that doesn't happen here. <laughs> yeah, and he's talking about, like, he, there, you know, it's a different place than anywhere he's ever been because there's not, like, poison snoopers and you know like he's mm-hmm. people are just like hanging out no one's like guarding him at all times and, and i think it been... probably feels kind of good honestly and there's a uh a message kind of gets passed he realizes that everyone's kind of given shawnee the side eye yeah or they're just like giving her these long kind of sad looks yeah and she she disappears uh jessica point she's now paul realizes that she does this for his benefits that he knows Mm -hmm. what he's smelling she says to stilgar like oh you know you guys are working with spice making making paper paper and plastic and explosives and and but i feel like it's also half that she's just like get that look off your face like paul yeah (laughs) paul he's standing there like going she's like isn't this a nice smell of industry Uh, and then somebody uh, says that Liet is dead. And he realizes, he puts it together finally that Chani is Liet's daughter. Yes. Um, and we also get this guy, Farak, who just kind of shows up. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like um, all over this. He's chilling with Paul. He's filling him in on stuff. I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah, he seems pretty cool. Um, he's sort of the... Uh, you know the exposition guy he just showed up and we're all supposed to know who he is (laughs) nikki and paolo yeah (laughs) oh god (laughs) um so there is and then i had to like message you about this because i like the first woman jessica sees after (laughs) like (laughs) after fleeing is uh i mean but really quick before that happens someone just say that the Harkonnens killed kinds that they're trying oh, yeah. to pass it off as an accident that he got lost in the desert, but they're like that he had a thopter crash and got lost in the desert, but they're like, yeah, right. bullshit. Yeah, there's no way that would have happened. So, yeah. R.I.P. Kinds, you know, um, yes, but this woman is wearing orange and green, and I'm just like, who? A big like wraparound like robe of orange and green which i'm like all right hey i think it's kind of funny because those are the two like colors of the like the harkonnen and and the atreides houses so i thought that was kind of funny uh but paul notices she's not wearing a still suit she's just wearing mm-hmm. like this this cool like house robe yep and she has uh oh and what i have always loved is she is wearing gold earrings with her water tallies on them yeah, her water rings. Uh, that's very cool. Um, I just like that they're accessories. It's like, yeah, look at this. You see this? I do too. That's a detail I really love about this. Uh, but someone has told her, because she is Jameis's lady, Hara. Yes. And someone has told her that he is dead. And she's just like, yeah, this did it? 
<laughs> yeah, she's kind of uh, incredulous to say the least. But this this whole exchange was kind of amusing because according to Fremen law, she's now Paul's responsibility. Um, uh, I enjoy that she, when she's still just like, wait a minute, Stilgar, what happened? This has to be a mistake. <laughs> and he's just like, no, Jameis brought it on himself. Yeah. Um, and she goes, my children made fatherless by another child. <laughs> Paul's like, I'm 15. Yeah, typical. <laughs> 15 years old, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, so he has, like, the option to either, like, I guess take her as his wife or take her as his servant mm-hmm. for a year. And then she she can decide if she wants to stay or not. Yeah, so basically he gets all of Jameis's stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he could either take her on as his woman or as his servant, which he has to decide right then. Yeah. Someone is. I don't, at, someone, I don't love this, honestly. I really. Someone don't in love the this. crowd is like, "Can you hurry it up? There's a lot of stuff to do." It's like <laughs> this is a really monumental decision. <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "Well, I'm still young. I can yeah. still have babies." Yeah, because she points out that um, people still say she looks as young as she did when she was with, I guess, her first husband, Jeff. Who I love. Jeff. There's Jeff. Jeff yes, the Fremen. Jeff survives like the Jeff. Jeff the Fremen was her first <laughs> husband, and he Jameis bested him in a fight, and so Paul's just like, oh, so like Jameis killed someone for her, and she's like, you know, I have two two sons, and like I'm still looking good, and after so after a year, she can choose to do whatever she wants. Like she can stay with Paul as a servant or as his mm-hmm. woman, or she could go off on her own. He can set her free, yeah. you know, um, whatever, but for a year. So I guess even if he says, I don't want her as a woman or a servant, he'd still, like, have to make sure she was doing okay yeah, for a year. And then he, he'll always have some responsibility for Jameis's sons. Yes. And so Paul's just like, I guess I accept her as servant. And she's like, but I'm hot. Yeah. Like, look at this. She's just like, but... And, like, I get that this is a separate issue, but I cannot, like, just the idea that someone is, like, I'm 15 years old, and I'm just, like, well, look at me. Like, oh. (laughs) I know he killed a man, and it's a whole different, like, thing, but I'm guessing she's at least 30. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds about right. I mean, like, we don't know, like, how old their general, like marriage age is i'm assuming it's not like i really get the feeling that because like it's a while before paul mm. paul and Chani are like anything like really yeah so i feel like if they were 15 and were like we're gonna get married everyone would be like yeah no no that's not gonna happen <laughs> no you are um, just a child uh like i don't care what you've done that's still not a different that's a different thing but i mean i think her older son is supposed to be like 11 so mm. yeah so i'm guessing yeah she's like 28 to 30 and just so yeah you are still young babe like don't worry about it like i'm sure you look fantastic but eh, let's maybe not let's be happy with what the decision was that was made because ew yeah um yeah she's she's sort of like and he's just like uh could you get me some food and he also, like, Paul also, he's trying to, like, compromise. <laughs> he's yeah. trying to, like, soothe her feelings because he's just like, well, if I take her as a servant, can I change my mind? Yeah. And Stilgar's like, yeah, you, you have a year to change your mind. It's like, ew. All right. Uh, I mean, I want to believe that that's, like, if you guys get to know each other, 
and because I feel like it's that more of that kind of a society. Sure. Although, you know, frankly, if he was like, yeah, sure, like, yeah, like she'd have to. Ugh. But anyway, he doesn't choose that. So. So, yeah, he gets he puts on his uh, the voice. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he makes his voice. I love this description in the book. They're like he made it smooth. <laughs> He's so smooth. So she hey, shows you know, him out there on Arrakis, Megan. It's a hot one. There's seven <laughs> inches from the midday sun. Oh no! <laughs> I'm Paul, sorry. Paul is definitely singing that on his ballast set later. Oh, for sure. Is that on our mixtape? It gotta, should be. We. I'm making an. I'll make a new one of songs he's singing in the sitch. <laughs> it's gonna be just that and Wonderwall and. Oh, anyway, here's Wonderwall. Um, <laughs> that's another thing. Like, if everyone is just like someone's got to play their guitar every night, you all have to hear that shit. Oh, for sh- that would drive me fucking crazy. It's bad enough when your neighbors are just like we used to have neighbors in our old townhouse. Megan, who, I have one. I have one. One night, so one. I we had two with our neighbors. One, I guess I don't know if it was a game or if my neighbor was just taking some kind of like greatest guitar hits like guitar class because he was just constantly playing guitar but all he could play or all he played over and over was the opening to purple rain <laughs> and he I was mean, great no song, prince but no prince and like what again i'll use my, overuse my favorite word the audacity to be like i'm gonna learn to play guitar and start with a prince song yeah prince <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived. Sure. Like, I think I'm going to take up the drums. Does anyone know any John Bonham hits? Exactly. Like, like, could someone please teach me, like, to be Keith Moon? Yeah. Like, um, no. Or that guy from Rush, whose name I forgot. Oh, I forgot it again already. Oh, who cares? <laughs> Neil does. something? Neil Pert. Yeah, there you go. Woo-hoo! <laughs> That's a deep cut for our listeners. <laughs> they love it. Yeah, I'm um, sure they do. <laughs> I'm glad that's a deep cut from my brain. I'm sure I just <laughs> forgot something for that. Earlier today, I don't remember what spurred it, but there was some word I read or something. Oh, it's because someone posted, someone put something about where they live and it's called something corners. Oh. And in high school, which I don't need to tell you was a very long time ago, <laughs> for my exam in drama class, I did Emily's monologue. Um, and it was just like, is this happening right now? Like, <laughs> why is this still in my head? Why do I still remember this from Our Town? Like, oh, I. A monologue yeah. I did 21 years ago, and there it all was. Like, wow, yeah. great. I remember songs that I did in, like, fifth grade chorus, oh, yeah. which is ridiculous. So I get it. No, I, we- I also have a guitar-playing neighbor, and because I don't have air conditioning in the summer, my windows are always open, and <laughs> he likes to sit outside and play guitar, and he's mm. not very good. So... I just always want it to be that song, the guy singing in Animal House. <laughs> I gave my love a cherry. Just... Uh, it has been like 15 years since I've seen Animal House. Oh. 
My dad likes that movie a lot, so I saw it a lot oh, when I was, too, I was growing so. up. It's, it's a movie for dads. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Dadfilms.com. That, don't go to that, anyone. I don't know what is there. Oh, that was no. a joke. That was Megan. a joke, and now I'm afraid. <laughs> but anyway, back to the Back, back to, to Dune. Dune. Yeah. He's now going to live with them. And there's not weird. Uh, not weird at all. Not weird at all. All the stuff now belongs to you. Good luck. Um, so I do like some of the cultural stuff that comes up here where he says, like, well, you don't hate me? And she's like, no. Totally. Like, it was fair and square. And also, like, people told me that you gave moisture to the dead. Like, that's... Yeah. It was pretty good of you. Also, I love how fast this gossip is spread. Yeah. Like, woohoo. Like, it's like my office. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he says, you know, well, don't you warn him? And she's like, oh, well, when it's time for that, I'll do that. It's like, right now she's got shit to do. Like, she's got two kids. She's got yeah. you moving in. Well, like, because not only that, but aren't they getting ready to, they're getting ready to move as well. Yes. Um, so they have to leave this particular homestead. Yeah. Uh, because it's just at this point it's too close to probably being like found yeah um you know and uh so they're just gonna have to keep moving yeah um because uh, they're the they don't want the harkonnens like or the sardaukar mm-hmm. is really like the yeah. only they're not really worried about the harkonnens they're nah. mostly like uh, we don't want those Sardaukar guys around. Not I, th- and I don't think it's because they're worried, but I honestly think it's because they don't want them finding out like how many of them there are, like mm-hmm. that they have all this like all these water caches and all of that stuff. So their their plan is to leave like an empty siege behind. Yeah, uh, and you know, there's all kinds of just sort of little like working rooms there's one for weaving where they've taken down all the looms they make yeah. plastics she, they're still working it there because she says they have to keep making dew collectors until the moment they leave because they have to collect water because mm-hmm. they need it for their ultimate plan um and i do like he asks what dew collectors are and she's like don't they teach you anything where you come from <laughs> he's like not about dew collectors yeah <laughs> and she's like well huh, all right and uh you know, she's and like, I, I thought this was fascinating because, like, she says that, like, every plant that he's seen out there, like, was planted or put in a particular place with, like, so much care mm-hmm. and attention. Like, it's every plant that he's seen out there has been, like, that particular plant was there for in that particular spot for a reason. Yeah. And these dew collectors that they put with them when they plant these the trees little shrubs and everything Mm -hmm. just everything they revert to transparency and they catch all the dew and it self-waters the plants like the dew you know condenses the moisture out of the air and it trickles down to water the plants and and she's just like you know Jameis she's like yeah Jameis was a good guy so I'll I'll mourn him at the right time uh she then brings up the possibility of her and Paul having a different relationship because she says that, you know, <laughs> she has two sons. One was from Jeff, Jeff the Fremen. Yeah. And one was from Jameis, but the Jameis never treated her older son any different. And she's just like, you know, do you think you'd be that way? And he's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I do want to think that it's half annoyance and half just like, ah, what? No, no. I'm 15. <laughs> I'm 15. I don't There's know. part of him who's like, if we had a kid, how would we have a... Oh, my God. Oh, whoa. Uh, <laughs> excuse me? 
<laughs> His voice cracks. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, and he, he is thinking, like, oh, I'm so glad my mom's not here. <laughs> Which I laugh. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. cultural differences or not, I do feel like if Je- Jessica's having enough trouble with him singing love songs to Chani, who's his own age, like, if yeah. this woman twice, at least twice his age, was just like, say, what if you and I should be like, what? But, mm, whoa. <laughs> Uh, she does mention that she's good with still suits, that his is in good shape, but if he needs any help, she works in the still suit factory when it's the season for that, so she's mm-hmm. good at that, which, you know, hey, you know, yeah. gotta have your skills. Um, yeah, people, they're taking out all the water, all the yeah. water and all the spice goes with them when they leave. That's gotta be so heavy. Oh my god. Yeah. Water is heavy. Yeah. They're There's taking the of- water. That, they're taking everything. Oh, one one thing I thought was really fun was um, that he walks by a schoolroom and sees the children, like, learning words. And, like, they're learning words like tree and grass and mm-hmm. things like that. And he's like, why do they need to learn these words? And she's like, well, this was Liet's vision. And yeah. this is how we honor Liet. And-, and Because Liet was trying to prepare them for a world that had... Things like trees and grass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And he's also questions that they're still having classes when they're, you know, they're trying to flee. And she's just like, we can't. This is his plan. We can't let Liet be forgotten. Right. You know, this is what he taught us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is. They get to their place. Uh, he just kind of stops and is just like, oh, my God, there's so much going on. And Mara's <laughs> just like, come, uh, come on. <laughs> like, this is where you live now, dude. Sounds pretty sweet. Um, yeah. They got a nice little curtain. Uh, so they have some privacy. Yeah. But it's still, it's a curtain, though. Yeah, it's just a curtain. Maybe I'm just too, I'm too suburban. I'm just <laughs> like, please enclose me in a space where at least a little bit every day I don't have to, like, see another person. <laughs> see or hear another person. Yes. <laughs> um, They got some, some blue carpet. Yep. She says the children like, hey. will present themselves later, and he's just like, "Oh God, I have kids now." <laughs> yep. She's also <laughs> like flirting with him, which I think is hilarious. Because I also like, I feel uh, like at uh, this point she is doing it just to fuck with him, just to fuck with him, which you know props. Because <laughs> she's like, "Do you want me to help you take off your still suit?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> I love this guy. I love her. She's no, awesome. I don't. Uh, I especially, I love her because she's, shall we say, the only decent parental figure in the life of yeah. my favorite character coming up. Uh, whose first words, I do believe, were, I love you, Hara. So, yeah. Um, and so... Okay, so when she says reclamation chamber, that's the bathroom, right? <laughs> Am I, I just dumb? No, I think that's where they reclaim the water from the corpses. No, it says there's a reclamation chamber off the other oh. room for oh, your yeah, comfort yeah. and convenience when you're out of your still suit. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. So that's the bathroom. That would be for the bathroom then, yeah. Yeah. So they must have a different kind of process in there, too, because, like, they're not just, just because you're inside doesn't mean you're, mm-hmm. your poop is just going, I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Huh. I don't know if that ever, like, gets brought up again. I'm sure somebody knows. If you're out there, tell us. <laughs> uh, he's just like, shouldn't we be packing or something? And she's like, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. I'm like, jeez, calm down. <laughs> uh, up. 
And he sends her to get him something to eat. And I think just because he wants, needs like a minute. And she kind of flounces. She's just like, whatever. Well, because she also tells him that, you know, it's weird that his eyes aren't blue yet. But it's not bad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she's he's like, just like ah! they're kind cool. of okay. <laughs> not unattractive. And he's like, go get food. <laughs> <laughs> Best character. <laughs> Stop talking to me, grown woman. <laughs> uh, uh, and he's just like oh god and he thinks about Chani and how yeah. she just lost her father which he also did yep so that's that's something we have in common <laughs> great Paul which, Paul get, get a hold of yourself son um, and he's just he realizes he's already getting used to the smells mm-hmm. uh, he's like maybe this won't be so bad and then in walk dun, dun, dun. some kids. <laughs> and it's two little boys, like nine and ten. And they're just looking at yep. him. They each have little Chris knives. And that he remembers then that the Fremen, the stories of the Fremen always say that the children fight as ferociously as the adults. Yep. Now he's just alone with these two little, little two guys. Two little warriors. Whose names I don't even remember. Sorry, little dudes. Yeah. Well, I don't think they mentioned their names yet, so it's fine. No. We'll, we'll talk about them in the next episode. So, I am realizing, looking at my book right now, that mm-hmm. next chapter is the last chapter in this book. I know. I've already downloaded my copy of Drawing of the Three, so I can read it everywhere. I mean, I already have the paperback, but I like to read on my phone sometimes. Yeah, I have I have mine. Because I I took it with me last weekend and I didn't get a chance to read it, but I just so I can brush up. It's got all my all its pictures in it. So we'll have that, and then it's we might color illustrations. Have a, a a break for a week or a special episode in there. We're we're not sure yet. We'll we'll keep you posted, but mm-hmm. we'll definitely have at least one episode on the drawing of the three. Yes, <laughs> coming up soon after this next episode. So yeah. Good. Is my new character Jeff the Fremen? <laughs> R.I.P. Jeff. I know, man. I wish I gotten to know Jeff. I wonder Especially- if there are other like super like <laughs> super just like regular 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 like Fremen out there like with these names like yeah Tony, Tony the Fremen Tony the Fremen or like you know like I don't know Dave Dave the Fremen Bill. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I mean, um, Charlene Harris already kind of did the whole Bill thing, so. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Do you think how, like, how weird must have that been for him that, like, literally that entire, like, how weird must have that been for him that, like, literally that entire town called yeah, him Vampire? Well, it is Louisiana. The best part of that entire series, I think, is in the first book where Sookie asks Bill where he bought his shirt, and I think he's, like, at Belk. Yeah, I actually really love like the first like four or six books in that series. I think they're a lot of fun. You could say four or six. I, I so can't many remember. Of them. It's the one where they're in like at the big vampire convention thing that I love oh, that book. Yeah, I do too. I forget which one it is. Her that outfits that she takes so to that convention good. are appalling. All her clothes are appallingly bad. Oh, they're horrible. If they're you've not only... as bad. It's not as bad as Anita Blake's clothes. I'll just say that. But, but like, they're bad. If if you've never read, like, the, the, technically the Southern Vampire Mysteries, but, you yeah. know, come on, the True, True Blood, Blood books. Yeah. Um, then if you've only watched the show, 
mm-hmm. you are really missing out because, you know, Anna Paquin <laughs> just got to wear a lot of, like, sundresses and short shorts. And yeah. she looked great. But Suki in the books. Is she wears the most ridiculous shit. And they're so lovingly described. But mm-hmm. it's all just, like, there is one in particular where she has a fancy dress that she is very proud of because the sleeves zip off. Yeah. <laughs> it has removable long sleeves. So classy. And at one point after, of course, something horrible happens, she is sad that they've gotten so covered in, like, blood or whatever <laughs> that she has to unzip them and throw them away. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's handy, Suki, given the life you lead. Yeah. And in that same book, I believe, because I think this is this is the one, uh, Club Dead, where... Oh, yeah. She goes to a nail salon for the first time, and she gets her nails done red. But then the next day, she's wearing a champagne-colored dress, so she has to get her nail polish changed, because you can't have red nail polish with a champagne-colored dress. So she gets <laughs> champagne nails. Suki. Suki, a little contrast never hurt anybody. Also, she's, like, tan and blonde, so she's just, like, a beige, like, column. <laughs> Yeah. With boobs. Yep. <laughs> Boy, we hear about those enough. Oh, goodness. In those books. Holy moly. Oh, God, I love him. But he went to <laughs> Belk, and I'm just like, oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. I know. But I also appreciate that it's Jeff, like, you know, Geoff, because yeah. they're the, very fancy. Yeah, that's that's a proper Jeff right there. That's such a... That is such a fantasy novel touch. It's like... <laughs> It's like in, like, A Song of Ice and Fire, where you either have a very fantasy novel name, or yeah. your name is, like, Caitlin, but it's just spelled fancy. Yeah. It's got a Y in it. Now I'm curious, did you finish those books, that series, mm-hmm. The Southern Vampires? Uh, I, I did, I every I, single one. I think I pieced out around, like... I can't remember, but it was later in the series. I was like, I can't do this anymore. The only thing that I disavow, because, like, I was correct in who she ends up with romantically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was pretty proud of myself. And then she wrote some book a few months after the series finished that was a sort of, like, what happened later? And I flipped through some of that at the store one day, and it was one of those where I guess out of just a desire to, like, wrap things up for people, which I don't think you should always have to, like, give in to that kind of inclination. Because there were a lot of things where it's, like, relationships that were together at the end of the book. It's, like, they got divorced. And why did we need to know that? You know, like, five years later, so-and-so had an affair, and they got... And it's like, yeah, but they were in a pretty good place when these books ended, so I'm just going to pretend I didn't read that. Mm, right. Like, <laughs> you know what? No, it didn't, you know. But, uh, yeah. Those... Speaking of someone that's written, like, a sequel, like, you don't need to give them everything. But those actually are a good example of, like, we were talking about at the top, top of the hour, mm. of... <laughs> elements where you stop and go maybe it would have behooved you (laughs) to just take a moment to speak to someone in any kind of separate group from you yeah because do you recall the point in the one with the main ad where eric pretends to be gay so he wears pink spandex yes and it's like okay oh okay yeah (laughs) 
I appreciated with that capacity that the TV show's take on that was Eric was like, I'll just fuck this guy. Yeah, I'll fuck anything. So whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like on the show, I mean, Sookie would be like, what if you tried to seduce and she'd turn around and he would just be like having sex with the person? Like what? Oh, for sure. <laughs> you didn't mean now? <laughs> I thought you meant do it right now. Well, damn. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah. That, and there's a couple. Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple like, of those. And then like, I think there's some stuff. Because Lafayette is only in the first book. Yeah. And, you know, spoiler alert, he dies in the first book. Like he's mm-hmm. the first person killed, which is why, like the show will always get such huge respect for me because they kept that character around. And yeah, he gives through some shit. But like, I mean, that was a great character. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nelson Ellis was such, oh my God. such a talented actor. Uh, anyway, yeah, what a loss. I've read those books so much that now I'm just like, well, let's talk about those. And everyone's I like, know, no, Megan. You're kind Megan. of making me want to reread them. <laughs> this is See, terrible. I specifically, so really quick aside, quick aside <laughs> on this show, no. Um, <laughs> so my, my family and I just moved in October. And yeah. our new house is smaller than our old one. So we have a whole garage full of stuff. We have all these books. We have so many books. And we have tried paring them down. Like, we try so hard. We've gone through so many phases of just, like, all these are going. And then there's more. They just appear. Well, I have that entire series. I mean, some of them I have in ebook form because I just couldn't wait to, like, get my hands on mm-hmm. them. But I have all of them. And there was a point where I was rereading some of them. And then I thought, you know, when we were first, I was like, you know... I've read these so many times that I think I can finally just, like, get rid of these. And if I ever feel the desire, I'll just get them out of the library. Because mm-hmm. I just, I've read them so much. But then, of course, when I had them in the stack, because then a friend of mine was visiting and she's a professional organizer. And she was, of course, just like, yes, do it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. And then my husband was like, I think I'm going to read those. And I'm like, you're not going to read them. You read, like, <laughs> two of them. And then you stopped. Like, come on. But Did now he we still have them. them. Well, now, no, I don't, not yet, but he's still, mm. like, we can't get rid of them because, so now they're just, again, in a stack. I'm looking at them right now. There they are looking at me. I so saved sucky. just the ones I liked. I got rid of the rest because I will reread my favorites in a series without any. Yeah, there are definitely some where I start to read it and I go, oh, no, this one. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so those. Oh, no, thanks. Yeah. Good point. Those books are kind of a mess, but I, like, <laughs> totally love them up to a point. And then, like, the same was um, Patricia Briggs' Mercy Thompson books. Like, I mm. ate those up until, like, the last couple. And the last one, I was like, I can't even finish this. Like, I just got too mad because you spend all of this time, like, building up, like, this character who ends up being, like, her the main character's partner and he's so good and he's so just like everything like he he's so protective and loyal and wonderful and just the perfect man and then she drops it like he's a trump voter in the last book and i'm like oh like that's goes against everything you've written about this character and i'm like not saying that yeah i'm not getting into all of that but it just really just soured the whole thing for me and i was like i can't finish these as and you just the first one of her books i've much, ever dnf'd how I'm much sorry, you want to bring in of 
like present contemporary anything on that level yeah i mean like why like, you have why to write around i mean and to go back to because like you know the the true blood books were something that were being written over a long period of time and yeah pretty mm-hmm. did a pretty good job of you know there were elements from the show that i think kind of trickled in but not a ton and mm-hmm. they did like she did have to write around things that were happening that would have realistically affected the characters like at a certain point hurricane mm-hmm. katrina has happened yeah and you know there's there's talk of like you know there's people who are refugees and people who've had to move you know the communities that have been displaced and people who died mm-hmm. and you know it's like okay no that's like a really good realistic thing but she kind of steers clear of there's never there's never a named president in those books right like there's a president obviously and there's all that but they never like mention it well you know to it's be always fair, just like oh the president yeah to be fair this other series doesn't mention trump by name either but it's heavily implied oh yeah so fuck that. so anyway <laughs> so that was this chapter um <laughs> we don't have any new emails this this week but you are welcome to write in to the show weirdingpodcast at gmail.com you can find work that Megan and I have done at thespool.net. We both write about television and movies and pop culture and all of that wonderful stuff. And Megan, mm-hmm. you just recently wrote about uh, the Masterpiece Theater PBS um, Sanditon I did. adaptation. And my thing, <laughs> and I'll say, like I said to someone on, on Twitter, was that it's just simply if you... If you love period pieces, like if you watch period pieces all the time, there are no real surprises. Like no. you're gonna know all these beats, and I think Although, it's yeah. Well, <laughs> I there's will a say couple. That this one where... had a couple surprises in it. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm interested to know what you were considering the real surprises. Well, the ending for one, the ending I would yes. say was was probably came yes. as a big surprise, it, mm-hmm. judging by Twitter, um, and then like the nudity. Is another thing because I saw a lot of people complaining about that too. Let me tell you, I, so many people that love Jane Austen are so fucking uptight. Like I love them, and some of them are actually like super filthy, and those are my people. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say right now that that's the kind of thing that drives me bananas because people that are like, have... I don't like the nudity. Oh. Well, because it's in this specific context, I haven't watched it. The only thing that I would constitute as quote-unquote nudity, at least in the version that I saw. Bear in mind, I did see the version for PBS, so maybe in Britain, like, but no, they, they weren't showing, I'll be crude, they weren't showing cocks, you know. Yeah. Um, like, this is, a, this is not a Merchant Ivory film. Um, <laughs> there's a scene when everyone goes to, to the seaside. And it's, yeah. I, I liked it because it showed the contrast and the culture at the time where the two female characters who are going have to get into like the bathing machine and change into the little outfits and then it drives out into the water and they have to like float around with companions whereas the dudes just strip down and go naked into the water so you see some butts yeah and then the aforementioned theo james because you know it's andrew davies gotta have a wet dude yep (laughs) uh she's the heroes and heroine you know have a moment where he's coming out of the the ocean and she sees him and is suitably appalled but also like titillated you see two like the v and some some pube 
Mm-hmm. And you do see his butt from the back, at least, you know, or I assume it's his, but you I know. think that's what people were talking about though. Like they did okay. not like that. And I'm just like, it's okay. just a butt. There's an actual literal sex scene later on. Yeah. And that doesn't have any nudity in it, but like a chick okay, there but and it's weird. It's like a weird sex scene. It's a sex scene where you're like, Really? You guys are gonna have sex right now? Yeah. You know, like that's what if that's what drives me nuts about it. It's like, okay, you saw a couple butts. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Asses. Oh, they don't like that there are sex in it either. And I'm just like, oh, bring God. it on. Like <laughs> more the barrier. I'm I'm here for it. Like honestly. I don't like how it handled like I discussed this in my review. I don't like how they handled the sex because mm-hmm. The good guys don't have sex, and the bad guys have sex. And yeah. like, oh my god! Like, is this a movie from? I want to well, say I mean, the twenties because Willoughby the twenties all over again. Yeah, it's mud. I'm sorry. It's just Willoughby all over again. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, like that kind of stuff drives me nuts. It's like I remember talking to people who would say how their mom. And again, it, it's not explicit, but like people whose mom would fast forward the nude scene in Titanic, but they had seen the sex scene. <laughs> and it's like, granted, you know, it's the same thing with Sanditon. You don't like see anything. It's actually, yeah. I would say more graphic than Titanic only because there's actual like thrusting, mm. but it's clothed thrusting. But like, really? Like you're that, <laughs> you're going to clutch your pearls over like some dude's butts. Oh and my yet, gosh. That appalled them. Like that's those are the kind of people that I imagine too. They were probably like, "Why that young woman is is black?" Oh yeah. Oh, oh for no. sure. For God. sure. For sure. And also, uh, there's like a I lot avoided of, like, looking at too much before I wrote it because I, like, I knew people didn't like the ending. Kind of- cursing like oh my god my books get like all of my bad reviews are like a lesbians how dare you put lesbians in austin i'm just like excuse me be cursing like can you imagine i legitimately there were moments in sanditon where i was kind of like maybe this main girl should just hang out with her best friend and like yeah. they could be girlfriends because they are getting along great and having a great time yeah <laughs> so like anyway <laughs> look check for out that Meg- yeah check out <laughs> megan's bees on sanditon at the spool.net and just a reminder we do have merch we have a merch Yay! store over at um t public uh mm-hmm. if you search for salty said sweetly our merch is there uh, we have a couple of really awesome designs in our store and very affordably priced, very great quality. Mm-mm. Show off your love of Dune and your love of this ridiculous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so that is going to do it for us this week. And yes. we will see you all next time. Bye. Send me to dim sum planet, please.